Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. So there I was, surrounded by my friends, and all ready for my happy ever after. At least that's how I pictured it. Bridget Jones' baby. <laughs> Our favorite singleton is back. Oh, I love that word singleton with her. But uh, did you go watch Bridget Jones' again diary um, over again over the weekend? I did not, but I actually read the second and third books by Helen Fielding. <gasps> you, I didn't even know there were any. <laughs> that's so amazing. <laughs> I didn't either. I was talking with a friend of mine, and I was talking about Bridget Jones's baby, and she started just looking at me funny, and she's like, but this doesn't sound like the third book at all, which is Bridget Jones mad about the boy. And you said, oh, what third book are you talking about? I was like, third book? I didn't know there had been a second book. I definitely missed the second movie. You know, this is a bit of a plot spoiler, or not, for those who've read the book, but she said um, McDreamy and Colin Firth, and the book Colin Firth is dead. <laughs> I was like, what? So, of course, I had to race off and read the book. Oh, well, <laughs> um, okay, so, gosh, this could be out of Lit Lovers, one of our sponsors. Lit Lovers, we could have done, yeah. I know. Okay, so I did watch the first one, and I kept thinking to myself, why did I love this movie so much then, and why it's not a dated movie, O'Toole. It's not. You can watch the first one if you haven't seen it in the 15 or, when was it, 20 years ago it came out? I didn't even look it up. 15 15 years ago. The book and the movie franchise both span 15 years. And it's not dated. It really does hold its own. Do you know what? I had forgotten about the first one. Renee Zellweger was nominated for an Oscar for the original Bridget Jones. No, she wasn't. Yes, she was. Are you sure? I am so sure. Huh. Huh. Well, good for her. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's going to be nominated this time. (laughs) I don't think so either. But for those who've enjoyed the Bridget Jones franchise, I think they'll enjoy this third installment. You, you can't not be grinning through parts of this movie. You just can't. The other thing is, did you notice the first scene with her and McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy? Mm-hmm. Okay, it was the same first scene where she can't remember his name. Yes, from it Grey's was. Anatomy. Did you notice that? Yes, yes, I did. I was thinking the same thing, Hollister. Where he looks Definitely. at her and says, and looks at her in an exasperated, perfect McDreamy way and says his name like, don't you remember who I am? I remember you. And they had to do that on purpose, right? I would think so. Yep. Yeah. At least he wasn't her boss. Now, we haven't seen him in a film since he spent, you know, how many years? 10 years on Grey's? And... Seeing him on a film like this, it's very hard to lose the McDreamy. It's very hard to not have him saying, where's your te- stethoscope, you know? Oh. did I found it very hard for him to transition because he plays the same guy. Well, I have to say, of the tremendous cast in Bridget Jones, yeah. I realized he's the only main player in the movie who does not have an Oscar. <laughs> well, he was we, up we, against we, some We could say it bigger than that. He's never had an Oscar nomination or even been in <laughs> enough movies. I mean, no, I mean, you can't even... It's not even like he gets to be spoken about as if he's in the Oscar category at all, you know? And yet, look at everyone else. Renee Zellweger, Colin Firth, Emma Thompson, Jim Broadbent. Um, You know, also in the cast, not an Oscar winner, but was Gemma Jones, who played Emma Thompson's mother in Sense and Sensibility. And here she plays Renee Zellweger's mother again. And you know what's really unusual about that? This is the third of a trilogy. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do actors of that caliber agree to come in 
on a third trilogy? I mean, very rarely. Do you think they read the script and said yes, or someone talked them into it and said yes? Well, of course, I have to go and see who gets the screenplay credit for Bridget Jones's Baby. There's three people credited. Helen Fielding, the novelist, of course, who originated Bridget Jones, is one. Dan Mazur is the second, but the third credit goes to Emma Thompson who, let's not forget, won the Oscar for adapting Sense and Sensibility. I love watching her on the screen in anything, don't you? So this is Dad, I presume. So glad you could be here. This is a unique and wonderful moment. Dr. Rawlings, I wonder if you could maybe do me a little favor. Hmm. So this is Dad. They had me from the very first scene I went with a friend and we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. That opening scene where you see Renee Zellweger alone on her sofa, blowing out a candle on a cupcake. Screw off. All by myself. Was it not a great soundtrack? The soundtrack, the music choices from Annie Lennox to current songs, it also spanned 15 years. I thought that was a nice touch. Well, you know, it spanned much further than that because, you know, when we were talking about the McDreamy scene at the beginning where he does the same opening with with, uh, Meredith Grey, um, there's also the officer and a gentleman scene. Did you see that? When he picks her up and carries oh, her. Oh, because she's covered in mud. It's to the same music as an officer and a gentleman. Oh, good catch there, Hollister. And remember, well, did you did you see an officer and a gentleman? A million years ago. Okay, so when he picks her up at the end and he carries her out of the out of her terrible life in the factory. Um, that music's playing, and he carries her exactly exactly the same way. And it also doubled as a comic bookend to the latter part of the movie where she's giving birth. Good God, Bridget, you're immense. (laughs) (laughs) I love the juxtaposition between the two men. I did. I loved it. Well, you know, it's funny because, of course, Colin Firth playing Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy. Which just always cracked me up in the book and in the movies. Um, he's supposed to be the one with the stiff upper lip, but I thought McDreamy, because of his acting, was the one who actually came across as stiff. For better or worse, fate has brought us together. Both of you, stop it! Oh, really? I didn't find him stiff at all. I found him. I found him. He, you know, he just traded technology for being a doctor. You know, he just changed what his vocation was, but he was the same character. And I think by playing McDreamy all over again, same dreamy-looking eyes, kind of looking at her like, "Please love me, love me, choose me, pick me." Um, I think he should have played it, played it a little bit differently, because it, now to me, he's typecast as the guy who's very attractive and likable and, you know, not a bad guy, but, you know, but really not the guy. You know what I mean? Well, in this movie, I I felt he was supposed to be charming, but I didn't really find him charming. Oh, I did. I thought he was totally charming. I thought in what... When he comes into her apartment and brings her all... You didn't think that was charming? I thought it was too much. And, of course, maybe he just stood out as the only American in the plot line. But I thought his most impressive acting was when he played Seal Ward's bipolar brother on Once and Again, his comeback on TV. I thought that was a great role for him. I, you know, I didn't see that. Should I? Is that something I should pick up? The first two seasons I thought were terrific, but that came out like 2000, 2001, before Bridget Jones even. Huh. Um, don't you love her apartment? Come on. I could live in her apartment very I happily. I love her apartment. Didn't her apartment remind you of Catastrophe's apartment, which we also talked about in our podcast because I love the couch? 
it Remember did that? a little bit. Yeah, and of course you're right. They're both set in London. I know, great apartments. Now, did you wonder along the way, who, you know, we won't, it's not a plot spoiler to say she doesn't know who the father is and you don't know, you don't find out until the very end. Um, did you know who it was at any point during the, the movie? I wasn't sure, but I kind of figured who they would go with. I did too, yeah. I, I think that was sort of obvious in a good way, not in a bad way, you know, so. It felt like the correct choice. Bridget, who do you want to be the father? I don't know. It's like the final of the X Factor. You know, it also, I, can I just say, like, there are a few things I would I would sort of like to chastise them maybe about. I'd like to use the word chastise, and one of them is, why do they have to make her mother such a buffoon all the time? Seriously. Oh, no, Bridget. Who's the father? Is it Marks? There's at least a 50% chance. A 50% chance? Did you have a three-way? You know, I don't like that that role that, you know, she's really an idiot. And they did it again. Um, she's just doing different idiot things, but it's the same idiot. You know, I hadn't focused on the mother as much as Bridget herself. Uh-huh. Because I think that's the thing about the first two books, and I didn't see the second movie. But here, I thought Bridget Jones was more palatable because she wasn't so inept all the time. You know, she was actually good at certain things, and it came across that she is very likable to children, mm-hmm. perhaps because of her young state of mind. Still, not to dwell on the negatives, many positives to note. You know, Hugh Grant is not in this film other than a picture, and we That's won't tell true. you why. Do you think that he refused to do it, or they just didn't have a part for him and didn't ask, or what do you think that was about? Well, you know, I have read in the tabloids about the supposed feud between Hugh Grant and Colin Firth, where Uh neither one will say what happened. Really? And I first I wondered, is that why? But then I thought, this is actually brilliant, because whereas I went into the movie thinking it's not going to be at all like the book, instead, I think they managed to work a whole nother movie in where now it's beautifully set up where they could turn the third book into a fourth movie. Oh, I hope they don't. I mean, we've we've had enough. We're done with Bridget. But but that would bring back Hugh Grant's character. Okay, so this is just a chick fun flick that people go in and out of and don't think about again. Would you agree? That's probably true. I don't think they're going to, you know, get any any more Oscar noms out of this right. franchise. Now, how did you think she looked as opposed to Colin Firth in terms of 15 years has passed? Are you are you asking me to comment on how they've both aged? Okay, I know you won't do that, so I'm going to ask the question a different way. Um, not that we want to go here, and certainly we're not gossips in that way, but I just wish women in Hollywood would stop re- rearranging their faces. And then they every time they did her makeup, they did it a little bit differently in this film. I, it has to be said. They did it a little bit differently where sometimes she didn't show the age, but then she did. But it really didn't. You can see that it's not her, the same her that was so winning. And, you know, certainly Meg Ryan has done the same thing. And I don't know who makes them do it or how it happens or anything else. But I just want to go on record as saying stop doing it, all of you, because you're too good an actor to have to worry about that stuff. I could have sworn When Renee Zellweger first appeared on the Hollywood scene, I could have sworn that I read an article with her where she said she would never do it, that women age 
everyone ages. It's a beautiful thing. Everyone should embrace it. Well, maybe she did that when when she could still get parts without having done well, it. But I think this goes to your point about yeah. we don't know why they do it. I think we know exactly why they do yeah, it. Maybe. The pressure in Hollywood where by the time you're 30, you're considered old. Well, especially because Colin Firth, you know, they put gray hair on him. You know, he definitely was allowed to age in a normal, you know, way. I just, it was very sad. And I noticed it most at the very opening scene because I had just watched uh, Bridget Jones' Diary over the weekend. And that song scene, you know, she looks young and vibrant and all of those things. And then when she does it now, she looks almost older than she would have looked if she hadn't done the work. And I don't want to dwell on this at all. I just want to say that it really saddens me. And it saddens me because I just don't think it's anything anybody should be aspiring to. And you don't need to do it, ladies. Let's not do it anymore. Okay. However, we should also chastise Hollywood. Please write more parts for women uh-huh. over the age well, of 30. Fair enough. Fair said. Let's have a look at you. Oh. Okay. Any, po- any points that you thought were not believable? <laughs> I mean, we are talking about Bridget Jones. Okay. Well, okay. There was one, though, that stood out to me as you guys should have changed this. The fact that she happens to in happens into his tent you know, by chance mm-hmm. and thinks it was hers when that just, I think it, it was, it could have been handled in a way that didn't make it look like, Oh, I thought this was my tent, but it's not rather than, can you help me? I can't find my tent or another way she could have entered that wasn't so not plausible, you know? Although everyone in that music festival seemed a little squiffy as Bridget Jones would say. But I have to say, right after that, I laughed out loud when her friend was trying to find their yurt and was rolling inside that inflatable ball. I mean, did she want to die? It's hysterical. I thought it was very funny. I think for me, the most unbelievable thing was that Colin Firth's character so revered McDreamy's character because he knew how to do an algorithm. But as far as we knew, the only use of his algorithm was to try to figure out if people were soulmates. And I didn't really believe that Mark Darcy would have heard of McDreamy's character. Didn't he say something about, you wrote about algorithms, you know, but then in the more generic sense, rather than the actual, the way he made his money in it, you know? Okay. Well, then that yeah. would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the interview was pretty funny that he did on air with, uh, with her network. You know, and that's a setup that we've seen in many movies yep. now, but it felt fresh in this. It did. I thought everyone's comic timing was Such a good word, good. fresh. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But not only was the timing good, it nuanced the issues around men and dating versus commitment and all those things really, really lightweight well, you know, but funny. And uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was really good. Really good. I have to say for anyone who's enjoyed Bridget Jones, if you haven't read the third book, I thoroughly enjoyed the audio book. It's read by Samantha Bond, who was Money Penny back when Pierce Brosnan was James Bond. She sounds a lot like Judy Dench. Wait, she did a reading? That's interesting. It's interesting, because when the book starts, Bridget Jones is 51. She's a widow. She's still counting in her diary. So instead of so much uh, cigarettes and alcohol intake, it's number of lice found in her children's heads, and her Twitter followers is zero. But um, it's actually pretty funny how she's trying to decipher texts sent by her 20-something boy toy, where he types in VBH, And she goes, okay, she decides it's got to be very big hug or maybe hamburger. (laughs) I thought it was actually well done. And like I said, could be a fourth movie. 
Oh, they also made reference at the beginning to her weight. And when they're talking about, okay, Bridget Jones, the same person, but she's thinner. Uh I don't know that they needed to do that. They didn't. But boy, was she, because they did a good job of flashing back to the original Bridget Jones movie. And, um, you know, she's in great shape. Uh, She is in great shape. Absolutely. (laughs) Except for her face. (laughs) You know, this is just a little random, but I went to the Adele concert this week. (gasps) Oh, my God. You didn't tell me. Why are we reviewing that? I love Adele. How did you get in? Oh, my God. It's so good. Let me just say I have some very good friends who I will owe for the rest of my life. But as I was watching her, I thought she is so talented. And in between songs, she was so funny and you felt like you were in such good hands with her and she did such a good job of even bringing little kids up on stage and you know not a pretentious bone in her body and all of a sudden it occurred to me I think Adele is who Bridget Jones would be if Bridget Jones totally had her act together and could sing oh I love that I love that I think that's a great 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 juxtaposition of her you know did you see her when she did her um singing in the car with James Corden Hello. Oh, thanks for this. I'm not... It's such a shame it's raining, so I feel like Americans are going to get to assume that England is rubbish. No, not when this, not when this puppy comes out. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be. It's so secret that the both of us Loved yeah, it. Her yeah. face is so expressive. And you could tell they were just having so much fun together. Well, and I then think... when he starts to really sing and she looks at him like, seriously, oh, you know, the best. Should, and definitely Bridget an Jonesy in there, too. So, if you you know, you could definitely go see her in that if you can't get tickets to go to the real Adele. Uh, lucky, lucky you, really. Okay, and now we can then move right into, talk about, you know, pulling the little bit of air out of the balloon. Uh, are we going to sit here and talk about the haulers? Seems like you guys have some stuff to work out. What is with you and Dad? He fired me, John. I didn't even know you were working for him. Yeah, you should really call more. What's this? Ice cream and pretzels. One of my mom's favorite things. Hey, how about heart attacks? Is that one of her favorite things, too? Now, who was it who recommended we see this? One of our listeners. Well, last week, we reviewed the Kettering incident, which Lalu had contacted us about. And, you know, Lalu, I think, totally has our taste nailed because she wasn't sure you were going to like it. And she had only seen two episodes when she recommended it. But when she listened to last week's podcast, she said she wanted to make it up to you and recommend (laughs) something that would make you laugh and cry. And she had just seen The Hollers, directed by John Krasinski. Yeah. So what did you think? I really enjoyed it. And you know, I'm going to tell you why, for the same reason that I actually enjoyed Bridget Jones's Baby. Two elements, a tight screenplay and very good actors. I was just going to say, have you ever not liked something John Krasinski's been in, ever? I love John Krasinski. I do too. I, it, part of the reason is I don't know that I could see a movie that he's in and not like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bess, yes. your, your favorite of his, though, is it, it, you know, for me, it was The Proposal. 
Except for he wasn't in the proposal. <laughs> that was um, that was Ryan, right? I, you know, I get them confused sometimes. You know, I, they do have a very similar face that you just you can't be mad at. Do you know what I mean? Do you know who he looks like? And this is this is going back a million years to the eighties and Dynasty. If who? you even remember Dynasty. Oh my God, who? I think John Krasinski looks like another John, John James. With that kind face and the upturned eyebrows. But I think John Krasinski's the perfect man. He's smart. He seems kind. He's funny. He can direct. And he's married to our very favorite. Emily Blunt. Yes, your favorite, right? I think they are the perfect couple. And did you know that Stanley Tucci is married to Emily Blunt's sister? Stanley Tucci is married to M. I didn't know Stanley Tucci was married. Yes, and so I was trying to think in Spanish, they have a word for what John Krasinski would be to Stanley Tucci, since they're both mm. married to two sisters. But I think here they're just stars in law. Uh, now, I think one of his great <laughs> moments was in It's Complicated. He was great in that. And when he's in the bathroom <laughs> with um, Meryl and Alec Baldwin, and mm-hmm. he's like, and we don't want you to tell anybody. He's like, oh, just add it to the list. Uh, he can deliver. <laughs> that timing is impeccable, and the delivery is also impeccable. But in this, it was a much more complicated role. Would you agree? I don't know that it's more complicated. I would say the genre of the movie is the dysfunctional family genre, and usually that is, is that not a genre my... now. That's pretty I'm, sad. I'm going to call it a genre. Okay. Usually, when I hear, okay, it's about a dysfunctional family, oftentimes over a holiday. I cringe a little bit because there's scenes where the families go so off the rails. And here, although they were very dysfunctional in certain regards, they were never cruel. And I loved that about this movie. You don't think Richard Jenkins had cruel, you know, Don Holler had cruelty in him? When he his no. wife's complaining of blacking out and he says, well, you need to go to Weight Watchers, not Weight Watchers, I mean, Jenny you didn't Craig. think there, yeah, you didn't think there was cruelty in him. I thought, I thought, if I if I had seen the moment where it had happened, yeah, as okay. opposed to them telling no, it point. in the past tense, yeah. so I thought that scene was actually very comedic it was because wonderful. they they all played it straight. Uh, to be honest, I'm surprised there haven't been more symptoms. Would loss of sight in one eye be a symptom? Possibly. And temporary paralysis. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There might have been some symptoms before today. Why wouldn't you get those checked out? He sent me to Jenny Craig. Oh, my God. Dad, temporary paralysis? I thought it was a weight thing. And I love Richard Jenkins. So I, I would say his character was inept, but I wouldn't say it was done out of cruelty. Yeah. Um, I didn't laugh and cry. I didn't cry out loud. Um, but I f- certainly felt both those emotions at high extremes throughout the whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I, I and I think the relationship between um, John Holler and and Rebecca, you know, amazing, right? The screenplay I thought was just classic, great screenplay where you have high moments followed by low moments, sad moments followed by funny moments. It took us on that roller coaster a couple weeks ago when we reviewed The Light Between Oceans, and uh-huh. I said I thought the biggest mistake about the adaptation is that they took away the book's original inciting incident of the boat washing up on shore with the baby on board. Right. And they moved it an hour into the movie. So I thought that just the movie lost its momentum. So you don't even meet the Rachel Weisz character for an hour. Here, I think it's a great example of what 
you try to achieve in a screenplay where in the first three minutes you've met John Krasinski, you've met Anna Kendrick, his mother has passed out in the bathroom, you've seen the whole family, she has a tumor, he needs to go home. That inciting incident was so clean and upfront and quick. And quick. Can I just say, and it was quick and I like that about it, mm-hmm. but Anna Kendrick, I don't know, I think I think his wife should have played played the role. I think she would have been great, but maybe she was yes. busy with Girl on the Train. Okay, maybe. Which I, I cannot wait for. I think that's going to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what do you about, think about him as a director? You know, I know that he directed the adaptation of David Foster Wallace's story collection, Brief Interviews with Hideous Men, which you recommended oh. the collection in our The End of the Tour podcast. Uh-huh. I haven't yet seen that movie, but I want to check it out because I thought he did a great job of directing The Hollers. I really liked the tone he achieved. I just would hate to lose him from screen to, to the chair. I think you're safe because he said that what he enjoys the most is acting. It's what he did first, and even here he acted and directed together. So I thought he did a, a great job on both fronts. Yeah, very, very good. It's a sad story. So you didn't cry out loud. Did you cry to yourself? I, I, just, you know, I just think that it's a sad story. And somebody on one of our um, social media boards was talking about she doesn't want to go to movies anymore that are not uplifting. Now, the difference is I was really sad in this. I really was, you know, but at the same time, it was uplifting. Would you agree? I was uplifted. And although there were sad moments, I didn't feel like the overarching tone was sad. Exactly. And I think that's what's the difference. Um, You know, I think the difference lies in what comes out of it on the other side and was there growth? And, you know, you know, certainly, um, if anybody I think grew almost the most, again, it goes to, to Richard Jenkins role, you know, I totally agree. Yeah. You know, the scene I'm thinking of, I'm wondering if it's the scene you're thinking of the, again, the screenplay and the acting, it was such a good combo when they're in the hospital and he's got his head in his hands. And I thought, Oh no, you know, buck Uh up and, and be a participant (laughs) in this scene. I thought, please don't let me down by ineptitude again. Yeah. And then they start singing that Indigo Girls song. I loved that scene. Yep. Yep. But he had the farthest to come. And maybe, and so giving him that opportunity to do it, but not making him the focal character, I think was really good directing and really, really good writing. You know, that's a very good point because I think he's the kind of actor who's so good, but he never upstages anybody. Well, by the way, don't you think it was, this was an ensemble cast that way? Absolutely. I mean, we've got Margot yeah. Martindale from The Good yeah. Wife. I half expected her to be shouting, Eli, you know, from her hospital bed. Anna Kendrick, Josh Groban, I thought was great as the youth minister. I, You know what? I didn't even know that was Josh. I, oh. I had to think about what you were talking about, and now I'm like, oh, my God. How- In my eyes, you Now, by the way, but I think, you know, you're talking about The Good Wife for her, which, of course, is, we know, one of your favorites. But for me, Margot's best role of recent days is in The Americans. Oh. She plays one of the handlers in The Americans, and her is a Russian handler. This woman is really versatile and a really good actor, and I love seeing her again. And I'm so glad she got a starring role in a film, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Because she, she hasn't had that opportunity. She really hasn't. Now, also, do you remember her in Mercy? I never the saw. The TV series? I never saw Mercy. 
Okay, well, she, she, she's one of those people you don't think of for anything. Like, if I were somebody who, you know, was a casting director, she would never come to my mind. But every time I do think about her, I think, oh, my God, she would be good in this, this, this and this. And the other movie that I loved her in was Secretariat. Oh, you know, I never Did saw... Did you see her in Secretariat? I never saw the movie. I visited oh, the place... You never saw Secretariat? I visited the place where they bred the horse. Oh, my God. And I have never actually seen the movie. Oh, you do have to see that. And she was also in Dexter. Okay, I'm going to make another comparison between Bridget Jones's baby and the Hollers. Besides, okay, by the way, the fact that you wouldn't think you can do that is really something you need to examine. <laughs> well, besides the great screenplay and the great ensemble cast, uh-huh. and besides the fact that Richard oh, Jenkins good. and okay. Colin Firth both have those sad, sad eyes that makes okay. you just root for them. A scene that we have seen many, many times. It makes me want times. to sleep with them, but you can root for them if you want. <laughs> well, now we realize, you know, that's what we learned from the Kettering incident is to root for actually has that meaning. Right. I don't want to root for any of those guys. Okay. I just want them to love me. I know. When he said, I'm not rooting the murderer, I was like, I've got to go to Google and figure out what this means. Yeah, but, no. Um, pick me, choose me, love me. That's what I feel when I see those eyes. <laughs> well, there's a scene that we've seen so many times on television and in movies, and that's a scene where a woman has to go into labor. And in both Bridget Jones's Baby and The yep. Hollers, I thought they That's pulled true. it both off in a very original way. When they do, I don't want to give away any plot spoilers, but I'll just call it a vehicular swap in The Hollers. I thought it was very original how they got us through that scene. Well, I might throw in here, by the way, that was one of the mistakes of Bridget Jones' Baby is that um, it's a mistake because... She goes into labor, and Colin Firth is trying to get her to the hospital, and he's thrown away his phone. So they have no cell phone to call for help. They they just have to get there. That is true. And yet, all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, McDreamy arrives. Who, who who could have called him? They didn't have a way to reach him. Well, maybe um, Seattle Grace patched him through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you that that was one of the mistakes. Good point. I can't go back and keep making same mistakes when I can make new ones. One of my favorite roles of Richard Jenkins. We've done Margot Martindale. I was going to say we're now back to, we're not, we're, we, we've, we've left Bridget and now we're back to Rick. Okay, gotcha. Are we nimble or what? Okay. <laughs> Um, he played Richard from Texas in Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, oh, I don't, you know, I didn't like that movie and I didn't like that book and I kept trying to like both of them. And so I don't, I didn't really pay attention to the men in that movie. I'm going to say the book was better than the movie, but he was my favorite character in the oh. adaptation. Um, this movie, by the way, has not gotten huge distribution. I had to drive really far to come see this movie. How could it not be getting the distribution that Bridget Jones' Diary is getting? And Bridget Jones' Diary died in the box office this weekend, my friend. Oh, really? Nobody went. Nobody saw it. Yep. Oh, dear. Well, there You goes... and I went, but that's about it, according I... to the numbers. I enjoyed it. And in the hollers, I know you always kind of laugh at the fact that I have to read every single credit and reverse engineer the movie. By the way, I didn't make myself stay today. I'm like, do you think she's going to know? Well, And then who should appear on the credits of Bridget Stone's diary? Somebody's son or brother or something. And it was a perfect photo that they ended with at the very end with the matching Christmas sweaters of the three of them. Uh-huh. It was a very nice touch. I didn't stay for that. Uh, see, that's what happened. Uh-huh. I missed it, right? Uh-huh. So at the they, end, they flashed on an image of three of them wearing matching sweaters, which was such oh a nice, um, you know, homage to the first Bridget Jones 
moving. How could I have missed that? I'm such an idiot. So but if I'd stayed, I would have seen you it? You would have seen it. It's a very nice touch. And in the hollers, okay. there's actually a prosthetic credit, which I thought was very well-deserved. Huh. I didn't see that. I didn't stay for that either. What What was it? It's the skull prosthetic. Oh. For Margot Martindale's hair. <laughs> All righty then. Okay, uh-huh. you can't make this up. You know that, right? Uh, you can't make it up. And you know what I'm very excited about? Do you know one of the upcoming projects for our John Krasinski? No, what is it? Yeah, he's going to star in the upcoming TV series, Jack Ryan, based on the Tom Clancy character. Very interesting indeed. I know. Another touch I thought was very funny was the scene with the two letters. Okay, what did you love about that? So they call it in writing, they call it the setup, the punchline, and the topper, or a tag. Ooh, it has a name? It's almost like a second punchline. I'm trying to think, funniest moment. I don't have one. Do you have one? I think it it might have been the going into labor scene. With the, the, again, the vehicular swap with John Krasinski and Richard Jenkins and how they get out of that car. I thought it was very funny. And I loved how they ended the movie. That last scene, I thought, was the perfect way to end it. Well, the yes, it definitely was the perfect way to end it, no question. Okay, so a couple trivias. Okay, oh, ready? Okay, so 17 hours of scenes shot at the airport, and guess how much, much uh, t- uh, screen time they got? 17 hours. Maybe three minutes? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah. Okay, guess where some of this film was shot, which shocked me? Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi. You know, I should have mm-hmm. known that because it was in the credits. Uh, well, and I didn't even read the credits. So. <laughs> um, I just thought, gosh, who shoots in Mississippi? You know, unless we're doing Ghosts of Mississippi or Mississippi Burning or... Mississippi Masala. Uh, okay, and then I have to read this from IMDb, which we try not to do, but... While promoting this movie to an interview on the National Public Radio program, Fresh Air... John um, Krasinski recalled that while he was casting the roles, Richard Jenkins wrote him an email and said, love the script. If you get Margot, in parentheses Martindale, I'll do it. Krasinski responded to Jenkins as though that was a joke, but Jenkins replied, oh, I'm not kidding. So I got, ri- so I got Richard Jenkins. So as soon as Margot signed on, Richard came with her, which is pretty phenomenal. Just goes to show you sending an email saying what you want is a really good thing in life. Like... You know, when you realize how these people come across these roles and how they... I mean, it's just hysterical. I mean, think about that. Love the script. If you get Margot, I'll do it. Nobody asked him to do it. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That is so funny. Well, and he put his face in front of him, which is exactly... I'm in marketing, and that's exactly what you need to do. The product needs to be in front of people before they can buy it. And Hollister, I know you're a big proponent of vision boards. I am. Focalizing what you want from the universe. Yep. That Richard Jenkins. I know. Maybe he learned it in the ashram of Eat, Pray, Love. (laughs) There you go. 